0: your newcastle welcome to your newcastle podcast today i'm joined by top blokes youth mentoring program head of programs and operations amy harvison welcome thank you thanks for having me it's wonderful to be able to talk to you today amy top blokes foundation works with young men aged 10 to 24 over several months to increase resilience, empathy, and respect for themselves and for others. And your main mission is to reduce the rates of suicide, men's mental health issues, antisocial, and risk taking behaviours. Can you tell us
1: about your mission at Top Blokes? Yeah, so I guess our mission is to ensure all of our young males remain happy, healthy and safe effectively. We know that a good portion of the issues that impact our young men are education based. It's around that social education. It's around supportive mechanisms, providing role modelling and just having an honest conversation about some of the difficult topics that our young males are facing. It can be sometimes more difficult in Australian culture Mm -hmm. for men to have the
0: conversations or the style of conversations that women tend to have with each other around their feelings and the impact of, you know, know, different events in their life might have on them from an emotional Mm -hmm. uh, perspective. And you can see that just in a cultural setting in Australia that not being able to have those same conversations or same access to support or Mm. people actually understanding what that means can have really poor health
1: outcomes for our young men in this country. Hundred percent. If you look at our stats around mental health issues, three quarters, so seventy five percent of young people uh, have mental health issues by the time they're twenty four. A huge proportion of those we know are young men, and it is because they don't do the the typical thing that females do and talk and share and and you know have honest conversations and open up when they need to. And like you identified, it does cross into that that boundary of understanding what masculinities are in our culture and really unpacking that a lot as well. So that's what we endeavour to do with our young boys is to really educate around what it means to be a man in today's culture and give them some skills and strategies to be able to do that in a healthy way. One of the things we encourage to do in our healthy relationships workshop is build female friendships into their friendship circles because having a a female to talk to is vitally important. It's just as important as having a group of men that they can rely on.
0: We've always been to those Australian-style barbecues where all the men are around the barbecue and all the women are somewhere else, maybe in the kitchen, I don't know. And there is that gender segregation Mm -hmm. that I see very prevalent in Australian culture and more and more prevalent as you move away from metropolitan areas. Mm -hmm. That's just an observation. I have friends that live in other countries, born and raised in other countries, and when you mix with them, there isn't as much gender separation in the way they socialise mm. as I remember, particularly growing up in Newcastle. Some of the really staggering statistics uh, that, you know, make uh, me myself very supportive of top blokes and are passionate about the work that you're doing, Amy, is particularly around suicide. It's the the largest killer of males, age 15 to 44, in Australia.
1: Yes, yeah, staggering. And if you look at the top three leading causes of death for young men. Suicide is the leading. The second to that is overdoses, so alcohol and drug use. And the third is road accidents, traffic accidents. So all three of those are completely preventable with the right education piece. So the way that we see the work we do, of course, it's evidence-based. So we do a lot of work in the research and evidence as why young men need this support. So it is, in effect, a gendered issue, but we see it as a societal solution. It's about the society getting together, having honest conversations with boys and girls about what it means to grow up in in today's world which is very different than it was you know 20, 20, 50 years ago Uh, many different challenges that they're facing and there's a lack of education around the new challenges that our young people are facing and that definitely impacts impacts our boys in some of the statistics that we see
0: Yeah they're very sobering statistics Mm. and make conversations like the one we're having today and the work that top blokes do in our communities so important you are moving into to the City of Newcastle to do more work with us Yes, and I note that you have also signed up with our Youth Employment Charter last year which was one of the initiatives of our COVID-19 City Task Force that is committed to prioritising uh, training, education, skills development of young people in that 15 to 24 age group that have been affected by COVID and If there isn't an opportunity for that education and that training and actually a format where we can talk about those issues statistics like the ones that I've just mentioned are not only unacceptable,
1: but won't change. Exactly. So again, it's a societal approach. And I guess at Top Lokes, we look at our work as that preventative space. So we have three distinct programs we deliver. The first one is in primary schools. So we target year five and six. It's very preventative in nature. And each week, our mentors go in and talk about the different impacts that our primary school boys are having. We're getting more and more principals coming to us and disclosing that they're actually seeing sexualised behaviours in Year 4. They're having issues with vaping in Year 6. I've spoken to four primary schools just this week that have suspended boys in Year 6 for vaping. There's a, a huge prevalence of issues that the young guys in primary schools are facing. What we're doing at our preventative level is giving them some sk- skills and strategies to overcome certain issues that they see in society. So talking about drugs and alcohol, having a look at uh, at uh, issues like mental health and the ability to talk to people. We teach the boys to have five support people in their life and the strongest one is Kids Helpline. So that way they've always got someone to reach out to if they need that support. We talk about anger management and mitigation anger, what strategies are included in that, knowing that anger is a natural emotion and how it affects them at a physiological level. So that way they can take a deep breath, have a glass of water and mitigate the angry outbursts that they normally see. So it's really holistic in nature. And it's all about looking at the psychological, physiological and neurological impacts of these issues that the boys face and giving them the the how and why they should do certain things instead of just stand there and go, you should not do this. Uh, It's harm minimization as it's very core. Then we move into our high school program, which goes a little bit deeper. We work with year nine and 10. And within that program, we deep dive into some heavy topics that are typically not talked about in society. So we might uh, touch on what I said before, masculinities. We might talk about anger management. We talk about risk-taking behaviour, which we see a lot in teenage boys. But then we deep dive into things like building a healthy relationship. We can't talk about healthy relationships, of course, unless we address this year's taboo topic, consent. Deep diving into consent, we also need to talk about domestic violence. Talking about that, we have to address the overuse of pornography in society with our teen boys and give them some indication as what happens to their body if they are over-engaging in this content. We talk about racism, power and privilege and give them a really holistic approach in dealing with some of these issues.
0: What's happening in your Newcastle? Subscribe to our mailing list at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. It's good that top blokes are going into schools and this is part of a broader education Mm. program because if school is just about algebra and spelling and Mm. the like and you're not getting that holistic education, people are coming out of schools, whether they're young men or young women, and they're not really understanding, you know, where they fit into the world and how to actually affect change that we mm. all want to see. Looking at the statistics around young boys or young teenagers, I can see that uh, 13 was the median
1: age that a boy begins watching pornography. Mm. And believe it or not, that's actually an outdated stat. We're getting stats as young as 10 at the moment, looking at the digital age and just how rapidly things have developed in technology, uh, where we've got uh, evidence from as young as 10, anecdotal evidence, some parents call us and say, look, my six year old's engaging. And we're like, what, what does that even look like? Wow. And how? But it starts innocently. And the one thing that we've learned, um, particularly when talking around and deep diving into the topic of pornography, it's really interesting. So we've got earlier and earlier engagement in online content, but what we're still seeing are boys are typically still losing their virginity around 17 years of age. So that's seven years of sex education through pornography. What's happening with this education piece, however, are these boys, because of the style of content, it's no longer opening a magazine. It's going through videos and they're watching 20, 30 in a sitting. Fast forwarding to the heightened sensations, the heightened periods, and they're retraining their brain to a completely different set of stimulus. So when they do hit 17 and they do look at their their first sexual encounter, what, what we're finding through research is they're actually losing the ability to perform. Stats at the moment suggest that 33% 33% of young men have porn-induced erectile dysfunction. So what that means is they've engaged in so much content that when they are able to do the deed, that they can't perform as such. And what we know with our culture and with young men is they typically will not talk about something like that because it's emasculating to identify that they can't perform. So it's something that they withhold. It's something that leads to mental health issues. It's something that leads to depression. And of course, it can lead to suicide as well if they're not talking about this. And that's a third of our young men have experienced this through to their change of stimuli uh, by accessing too much porn. That's an amazing uh, Mm. set of facts.
0: I am a mother to an 18-year-old and I had no idea Mm. that those facts uh, actually existed. And I would imagine that uh, other mothers in my generation who have sons that are uh, growing up through primary school and high school or even older would not be aware of, of those facts.
1: No, and I think that's the thing, again, with the, the way that technology has evolved, it's constantly changing and we learn new things every day. Vaping is a new new, and emerging uh, technology that we're seeing. Other online platforms, we've learned through Facebook and Instagram and TikTok that the cyberbullying conversation has come up based on the evolution of these technologies. We've learned about increases in, in narcissistic tendencies and validation in young people because of needing the likes and follows. So there's a lot of changes in culture and society based on some of the emerging technologies. And it's hard for adults to to keep up with this because it is changing so rapidly. So I guess that's the importance of having a united and collective voice and why we try to have these conversations in schools with kids and also invite parents into the conversation wherever possible as well.
0: I think that's a really important component is educating our educators Mm. and not just the children in primary school and high school, but also having a platform that can inform parents so they are aware this could be an issue. So, it's not an issue with every child, Mm -mm. but it, it could be. And if there's no awareness that it could be an issue, then there's no reason that anyone would take any action to, you know, help go and get help mm. for those issues. And I guess it's a, a bit of a spiralling situation that if someone needs help and you don't know how to help them, you end up, you know, tragically potentially being one of these statistics, which is just not mm-hmm. acceptable.
1: Yeah. And it's all about having the conversations again at that early age. If parents are talking about mental health issues from eight, nine years of age, by the time that boys are ready to talk about the trickier topics that are typically very awkward for everyone to talk about, they're going to reach out to mum and dad. They're going to sit down and have these conversations about wanting to be sexually active, wanting to engage in content. They'll be more at ease talking to to their parents. And what we see with our, our older boys program effectively, uh, our 18 to 24 year olds, we had them sit around a round table when they come into our programs and what they tell us there is they've gone through all of these habits, they've built certain habits and no one told them how to unpack. Even with pornography, for example, it's all about a reset. If they disengage for a period of time, they can reset their stimuli and then they can move towards a healthier uh, sexual relationship. So it's all about the strategies that young people need and no one's having these conversations at an earlier age, which is the importance of having them so young, that preventative landscape.
0: Your Newcastle is changing daily and we care about you. Have your say at newcastle.nsw.gov.au. It is a really holistic program. Mm. that has those four really distinct steps and training programs. How are you coming into this role, Amy? You're very passionate Mm. about uh, men's health. And every year in June, we have Men's Health Week. Mm -hmm. And it's a really important time to talk about these really important men's health issues, education and the resources. We also have an international day. But really, we need to have a more holistic conversation that fits better into our education system. I had a really similar conversation with Melissa Histon, who is a founder, managing director of Got Your Back Sister, mm-hmm. around education, around consent, you know, the types of issues that affect both um, young men and young women, and how that really needs to be more holistically delivered in education. Mm. Talk to
1: me about your passion for this work. Look, my passion comes from a previous role where I was working with young people, those that were the neat guys, they're not engaged in education, employment or training. So typically through employment service providers, and that's a core focus of our older boys, the building blokes program as well. Uh, so these guys, what we would see is they would drop out of traineeships and apprenticeships. They wouldn't consistently uh, graduate from any qualifications that they're rolled in because what was, was typically happening was they had these social barriers. So it wasn't the academic barriers that were stopping them from performing. It was the social barriers. And there was no uh, program or, or concept out there that would assist them in un- undoing and unpacking these social barriers. What we see in the mental health and wellbeing landscape is crisis support. We don't see preventative support. And that's where I think the conversation needs to change. There's a lot of funding that is diverted into crisis, and I think it's definitely warranted. But what about preventative? If we start having conversations earlier, we actually don't get to crisis. And I think that's the the core thing that we need to do in society similar to us in social education and well-being education we need to unite our voice with other organizations that do the same thing we need to unite our key messages to make sure we're all delivering the same concepts and we need to raise our, our kids up boys and girls from a really early age.
0: You do raise a really important issue that does pervade uh, the generation coming through and that's the connectivity, uh, the access to information, and how that information is used. Mm. And, you know, sometimes from probably the generation before me, the view was, well, just, you know, stop them accessing the internet. Yeah. You know, or, and I laugh at that because, you know, I'm still young enough to know, well, that's not really going to work. Yeah. You know, if there's, that information is out there, no matter what it is, um, there are plenty of devices and, and ways to get on there just doing that type of restriction. The prohibition style- it doesn't work. You mm. can talk about, you know, the 1920s prohibition of alcohol and how that didn't work. And, you know, I could go into prohibition of different narcotics, which I don't think works either. Mm. And there needs to be legislative change. But my God, that's been a conversation that's been going on for decades. And until the legislators finally catch up uh, and, you know, the agencies that do provide this funding... I think we're going to be stuck in a bit of a quandary, which is very disheartening, not just as a a parent, but also someone that sees a better future for us all
1: through education. Mm, And I think that's the interesting thing from our perspective. We have incredible mentors out on the ground. And the one thing our mentors are doing are having the conversations, because what we've learned from our boys is they want to know the how and the why. It's it's not just us educating or lecturing them. They're thirsty for this information and don't know where to find it. So when it comes to something like drug use, for example, when you talk about prohibition, the boys tell us that binge drinking is going out of fashion. It's not considered healthy anymore. If you look at their influences, they're all quite buff and quite healthy. There's this whole idea of of health, uh, physical health, that's really important in today's society. And the boys tell us that's one reason that they don't drink to excess anymore. The other reason they don't is pills actually change. Cheaper. So it's cheaper to go out and have a pill, have a good night out, and they they get more benefit uh, financially than going out on on the booze all night. So it's really interesting when we have that conversation with boys. We actually unpack an MDMA pill. We talk to them about what's in MDMA, what it's all about, how they're made, how fifty three percent of a pill is actually not MDMA. It's unknown substances. It's ketamine. It's ice. It's fillers. It could be cheap substances and substitutes like sawdust and concrete and rat poison. It's about educating our boys so they make informed and healthy decisions in the future. Again, from a harm minimisation approach, we're never going to tell our boys to not engage in behaviours, but it's really interesting when you give them the facts and the evidence and the information that exists around these risk-taking behaviours, nine times out of ten, they're going to make the right choice. Well, knowledge is power. That's exactly right.
0: If there was an understanding around the overuse of pornography, as you described, if people that were engaging in that, understood the effects or what could be the effects, I'm pretty sure that they would look at their own behaviour change. So, this program is outstanding. I'm so glad you're rolling it out in the city of Newcastle Mm -hmm. and I love your passion for that and connecting with other agencies. Can you talk to me
1: about how you're funded? Yes, yes. It's always interesting to talk about our funding model. So we are a charity. So effectively, we are predominantly funded through family foundations, philanthropy and donations. We have a beautiful partnership with a Newcastle organisation, Bow Brothers, the eatery. A dollar from every one of their fries actually comes to Top Blokes. So definitely support them. Bow Brothers. Bow Brothers. They're the best, yeah. aren't they? I know. They're amazing um, and super supportive of Top Blokes. They've been so phenomenal with is, us. Is this an excuse for me to eat more fries? 100% eat more fries. <laughs> eat more chips. Yeah. That's it. I don't. I don't <laughs>
0: need. If I, I don't know if I need an excuse.
1: <laughs> yeah. So we've got some amazing community support in Newcastle already, which is really exciting to bring the program here. I'm a Newcastle girl, so since I joined TopLuxe, I've wanted to bring our program back up to the greater Newcastle area. I'm excited to see it start to happen. It, it's having the community support through donations. It's having that philanthropy that allows us to work. Schools contribute a portion of our funds through selecting our programs as one of their wellbeing programs, and we do have some government funding. So. Um, Uh, We have, for example, in the Maitland and Cessnock area, we've got some state funding supporting our role out there at the moment. It's fantastic to hear that there is some New
0: South Wales government funding for programs in this region. But it is a story that I hear a lot, whether it's talking to Mel Histon Mm. about Got Your Back Sister. It's all charity work. It's all Mm. philanthropy. And it's all sort of, you know, trying to manage the role of advocacy, awareness and also fundraising mm. with the actual delivery of what are really seem to me like essential services. So thank you so much for being passionate about our wonderful young men here in the city of Newcastle and across the country. And I I hope that we can partner with you in the future and we can make those connections so all of our local charities that are supporting our young men and women have the right resources. Yeah,
1: that would be absolutely brilliant. What we know through our work is our our young guys, they're good guys. They're doing great things, but sometimes they just need a little bit of role modelling and further support. And what we're endeavouring to do is just to help our, our boys not only survive, of course, knowing those statistics, but we want them to thrive at the end of the day that's our our role our aim and why we're so passionate to to roll our work out to every young man in Australia
0: yeah I always come from the premise whether we're talking about young men or young women or you know anyone in our community everyone that I meet or come across I've always thought of everyone is essentially like a great person. Mm. And sometimes there's been, you know, certain aspects of their life that have affected them some way. No one grows up going, gee, I really want to be in jail or gee, Mm. I really don't want to finish school or, you know, have a great job or, you know, have a great family. No one wants that. There's a certain set of circumstances that you know, happen that end up sometimes tragically and the more we can put in place in terms of preventative programs Mm. and just education,
1: you know, will help people, as you said, not just survive but thrive Mm, definitely and and a key concept that is lost a little bit I think in society which we're trying to embed in our young guys as well is that the concept of empathy and just understanding that everyone's running their own race everyone's living their own story and we just need to support that we need to stand by each other's side and not in their way
0: couldn't have been said better thank you so much for your time today amy it's been wonderful to connect with you and hear more about top blokes and i look forward to continuing this conversation
1: thank you so much it's been a pleasure
0: that's your newcastle if you enjoyed this podcast please rate and review us wherever you listen